is a tasty burger. Burger. Yeah, ready, yeah, ready, yeah, ready, yeah, ready. Beautiful people out there, welcome back to whatever the show where I talk about whatever. My name is Cameron, and I swear, Professor, I did not put my name into the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> Today's episode, we're going to be talking about, obviously, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Now, right off the bat, you may notice I sound a little different, and that's because I'm actually recording this intro on my phone, because I'm going to try a thing where I record an intro talking about what I'm going to do with the episode, and then later when I have my whole, uh, computer setup, I do the episode there, so that the intro is just out of the way, so all I have to worry about is just recording the episode, and I figure, you know, if I do this intro on my phone, it's quick and easy, and I can just get it out of the way, but anyway, that's why I sound different, but today's episode, we're continuing the Harry Potter series as usual, because I'm going to keep doing this until we get to the end, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to include Fantastic Beasts, I probably will, if not part of the series, maybe as a separate episode, but... I mainly just wanted to focus strictly on, like, Harry Potter's journey, like, Harry's, Harry Potter's story. So, yeah, obviously today, we've done Sorcerer's Stone, we've done Chamber of Secrets, we've done Prisoner of Azkaban, but today, we are now on to Goblet of Fire, and it's my second favorite Harry Potter movie, and in this episode, I'll go over the plot, you know, like usual, you know the drill by now, I'll go over the plot, I'll do my opinions on it along the way, and I'll explain why it's my second favorite Harry Potter movie. So stay tuned for all of that, you beautiful muggles. No offense, but I really don't care. Alright, so Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Harry's fourth outing this time. Um, it was, it came out in 2005, and Goblet of Fire was actually directed by Mike Newell, so another different director. Uh, we start off in this movie with a, with a scene where this caretaker is going through his house, and then he sees a light on in the house, and he's like, damn kids. So he goes up, and he goes up these stairs, and he notices some people talking, and we see Peter Pettigrew, or his actual name, Wormtail, uh, in front of a crib, and you hear what we assume at this point is Voldemort, and then this caretaker is found out and basically killed by Voldemort, and then we cut to Harry, toss around to sleep, and find out that this whole beginning scene was actually a nightmare that Harry had. And so Ron and Hermione, or he's there with Ron too, because he's staying with Ron and Hermione. Both Harry and Ron were asleep, and Hermione wakes them both up, and then. The very next scene, they're going off into the woods with uh, Arthur Weasley, and they meet up with Cedric Diggory and his father. Now, Cedric Diggory is played by Robert Pattinson, who you may know as Edward Cullen from the Twilight series, and also probably the next Batman, which, honestly, if you've seen that trailer, I'm all for it. I mean... I don't think Robert Pattinson is that great of an actor. I think everybody's just blinded by the fact that he was in Twilight. Oh, also, I forgot to mention this when I started this, but I probably won't sound any different than I did in the little intro there because 
I was going to use my computer to do all this, you know, with my microphone set up and everything. But Windows decided to update as soon as I started everything, so it's going to take five centuries to update. So, there's that. But anyway, I meet Cedric Diggory and they all go to this random hill with a boot there. And that's when they find out that the boot is actually a port key, which... In the Harry Potter universe, a port key is just like a normal object that if you touch it, you can warp to wherever you want. And they use this port key to transport themselves to the Quidditch World Cup Finals, which is between Ireland and Bulgaria. So they attend that Quidditch and they have, you know, a splendid time. They have a little run-in with Lucius, which is, you know, nothing important. And then after, after the match, they're all, you know celebrating in their tent and Arthur hears something weird so he goes outside and then he comes back in and he's just like we need to leave now so they go and find that the whole these campgrounds they're staying at are being attacked by death eaters so they try to escape Harry gets lost and everything he gets knocked out actually and then when he wakes up everything is burnt to the ground and he sees a death eater who we get to see you know as we find out later it's Barty Crouch Jr., but we see him first in this scene exploring the burned-out remains of this campground, and Barty Crouch Jr. in this movie is played by Doctor Who himself, David Tennant, which, honestly, he was he's amazing in this movie, actually. He plays, he plays a psycho so well, but he sees Harry, and then at, before he gets to Harry, he hears other people calling from him, so he kind of runs for the hills, and... When they, uh, when Ron and Hermione catch up to Harry, all of a sudden a bunch of people from the Ministry of Magic appear and try to cast Stupefy because they think he's a Death Eater. And Arthur's like, wait, no, that's my son! So he comes up to, you know, he kind of steps in and, uh, uh, Barty Crouch Sr. is actually, he works for the Ministry of Magic. He, uh, he accuses, he kind of accuses Harry of summoning this, uh, this Death Eater thing in the sky, which the Death, oh God, excuse me. The uh, Death Eater symbol is basically a skull with a snake coming out of its mouth. So Barty Trout Sr. accuses Harry of conjuring it because, you know, he happened to be there. And everybody else is like, really? You think he was there? So they end up leaving there and Harry tries to tell the group that he saw somebody there, but he's like, I didn't see his face. So, yeah, there's all that. So then let's move on to Hogwarts now. The whole thing with Hogwarts now is there is a, uh, this is the year they are hosting two other schools, uh, the Bo Batten's school and Durmstrang. Now, Bo Batten's is kind of, I guess, the French wizard school, and Durmstrang is a wizard school in Bulgaria. And the two most important people from those schools that we have to remember now are from Bo Batten's, there's Flora de la Tour. And from Durmstrang, there's Victor Krum, who we already saw before in the Quidditch World Cup scene, because he's the uh, he's apparently the world's greatest seeker, and he's the seeker for the Bulgarian Quidditch team. Which, I want to go back to the Quidditch World Cup thing for a second, because that I love that scene. I mean, even though it's so short in the movie, I love that scene because it reminds me of uh, this PS2 game that I had growing up. It was actually called Quidditch World Cup. And it was literally, it was a game for the PS2. Uh, I think it was on other systems too, but I had it for the PS2. And basically, it let you do pretty much what it was. Like it had you to be pretty much any team from anywhere in the world, any 
Quidditch team in the world. And you could even do uh, Hogwarts teams. So you could be like Ireland or like America versus Australia or Bulgaria. And then you had the like, the Hogwarts mode, I guess, where you could do matches, you know, pitting like Gryffindor against Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw against Slytherin, you know, stuff like that. And it was actually a really fun game that I remember playing all those years ago. But anyway, let's get back to the thing. So, yeah, Hogwarts is hosting Bob Bantons and Durmstrang. And they also realize, or they reveal that the reason that they're there is because Hogwarts is now hosting the Triwizard Tournament. And just as they, uh, they're they talking about it, all of a sudden the uh, ceiling gets all thunderstormy and this, this limping guy comes out of the darkness and clears it all. And we find out it's Mad-Eye Moody. And they, uh, they see him, you know, Dumbledore greets him. And uh, Harry and the group, Harry, Ron, and them see him, you know, seeking a drink from something from a flask. And they're like, what do you think he's drinking? And Harry's like, well, I can tell you one thing. It's not definitely not pumpkin juice. So Harry's suspicious of Mad-Eye from the start. So they basically reveal... The whole thing of, uh, you know, the Triwizard Tournament. And they compete for the Triwizard Cup. And they also explain that no one under 17 can enter this tournament. Now, the Triwizard Tournament is obviously, you know, there's three trials. Or there's three tests. And whoever, you know, is left at the end is the overall champion. But... Yeah, nobody under 17 can enter, and only three wizards can be chosen. So after they explain that, we go into the uh, scene with Mad-Eye Moody, because he is now the defense against the dark... dark <laughs> Sorry, I can't speak. Uh, Mad-Eye Moody is now the new defense against the dark arts teacher, taking over from, you know, for Professor Lupin from the last movie. And he teaches the whole class about the three unforgivable curses. But I demonstrated on this spider crab thing. I don't remember the name of the creature, but it's basically, it looks like a spider and it has pinchers like a crab. So he teaches the class about the three unforgivable curses. The first one is the uh, Imperial imperial Curse, which basically lets you like float around somebody. It's like Regardium Leviosa, but more extreme. And he, flo- you know, he floats it around the class, you know. You know, makes everybody laugh, and then throws it against the window, which makes everyone go like, uh, alright. And so, when he gets to the second one, he asks, uh, he asks the class, you know, like, can you name the second one? And he calls on Neville Lombottom, and Neville answers, uh, the Cruciatus Curse, which basically is a, you know, a torture curse. So he takes this spider thing, he gets Neville up, he brings it to the front of the class, and he does the... Uh, Cruciatus curse on the spider thing and sitting there pain and Hermione's like stop it can't you see it's bothering him because we find out later why it bothered Neville so much is because his parents were actually were actually subjected to that curse because Neville's father was an horror that you know that was uh, exposed to the Cruciatus curse and then, obviously, when he does, when he uh, stops that, and he goes up, walks over to Hermione because Hermione's the one that told him to stop. And Mad Eye's like, "Perhaps you could tell me the last curse, Miss Granger." And she refuses. Then he pauses for a second, and then he puts the 
He points his wand at the spider thing, and he's like, Avada Kedavra! Which, obviously, is the last unforgivable curse. Avada Kedavra, which is the death curse. Which, everybody's obviously shocked about this, and then after class, they're talking about Mad-Eye, and they, uh, they find Neville sitting there, and he's, obviously, he's really upset over everything, and uh, Moody finds him, and he's like, it's like, Yo, you're right, Neville. You know, come with me. You know, pour your cup of tea. I want to show you something. So they take him there. And then I do. Uh, so then we get to the point where everybody's entering their name into the Triwizard Cup. Now there's a bunch of people that enter their name. Uh, Fred and George try to cheat the system by making an aging potion, which Hermione tells them it's not going to work. And they're like, ah, whatever. So they drink the potion, jump in, put their names in, and they're like, oh yeah, we got it. But then the, all these flames go up, bolts them back, and makes them grow just long white hair and a beard, which obviously, you know, it didn't work. Hermione was right, it didn't work. So then there's, you know, then Victor Crumb comes in and puts his name into the Goblet of Fire. And then we get to the scene where everybody's gathered around and Dumbledore announces, you know, he gets everybody settled down to announce the names of the champions that'll be in the tournament. Sorry, I can't. I can't speak today. I can't speak ever, actually. But anyway, so Dumbledore gathers pretty much the whole school around to draw the names from the Tribewizard Cup. And the first name he draws is from Bobatons, Fleur de... Was it Fleur first? No, it was from uh, Durmstrang first. So he draws from Durmstrang, the winner, uh, champion, first champion is Victor Crumb. And then from Bobatons, their champion is Fleur de Lacour. And then from Hogwarts, from Gryffindor, their next champion is Mr. Cedric Diggory. So they're like, all right, cool, congrats to all the champions. And then Snape kind of looks off in the distance and everybody turns around and notices the... Uh, the cup acting up like is going to draw another name. Of course, another piece of paper shoots out and Dumbledore catches it and he's like, Harry Potter. And everyone's just like, what? He's like, Harry Potter? Then everybody's just like, more confused. And then he's like, Harry Potter! And then Hermione's just like, Harry, just don't go. So Harry slowly walks up to Dumbledore, takes the piece of paper from him and then just walks up. So then the next scene, we see all the champions gather in this this room with Harry kind of being in the middle of everything and you hear a bunch of people shouting and now this is something I want to say normally I do book differences at the end of these episodes but I'll do one now because this applies here so they all come down and obviously they confront Harry about putting his name in the Goblet of Fire but whereas in the book like I'm sure you've seen it if you've been around TikTok there's a thing where somebody reading off the part of Goblet of Fire in the book where it's like did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire, Harry? Dumbledore asked calmly. In the movie, he he basically rushes Harry and he's like, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Like, he's very fierce about it. I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> so, of course, they confront Harry about it and they're like, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? And Harry's like, no, of course I didn't. And, you know, they, uh, a lot of people back up his taste. Like, uh, the, uh, Madame Maxine, that's her name. She's the, like, the headmaster, I guess, for Bobatons. She comes in and, like, Well, of course he is lying! Ba 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 ba. And then, you know, Edor, the headmaster, I guess, for, uh, Durmstrang. I don't know if any of them are headmasters. I'm just 
calling them that for namesake. But Edior or no, Mad-Eye, or Moody steps in, and he's like, you know, there's no way Harry could have done this. The spell needed to bypass it is way too advanced for a fourth year. And Edor's like, you know a lot about those those spells, do you, Mad-Eye? And something, and Mad-Eye kind of, I forget what he says, but it's something to the point where, like, you know, Edor, we definitely should be a little suspicious of Edor. And so they ask uh, Barty Crouch, who, uh, like I said, is with the Ministry of Magic, and Dumbledore's like, you know, you know, what do you think? You know, what should we do? And Barty Crouch is basically like, well, the Charwizard Cup is a binding contract, so whether he wants to or not, Harry, from now on, from this point on, is a Charwizard champion. So basically, because of this whole thing, because he got randomly chosen from the Cup, he is now obligated to compete in this tournament, whether he wants to or not. And so, there's a whole thing, and, uh, he talks with Harry and... No, he talks with Hermione and Ron. I always do that. I'm like, Harry talks to Harry. No, Harry talks to Hermione. <laughs> he talks to Hermione and Ron, and Hermione mentions that Harry should probably tell uh, Sirius about this. No, she doesn't... Oh, no. So basically, he sent a whole thing to uh, Sirius, and he gets a letter back in another scene from a different owl, because Sirius explains that he couldn't risk... With the whole thing of the, uh, the, you know, Harry randomly being chosen and just the whole Death Eater thing at the uh, Quidditch World Cup, Sirius mentions that he couldn't risk sending Hedwood back to Harry. So he tells Harry to meet him in the Gryffindor common room like later that night. So, which Harry goes, and Sirius actually appears as just a face in, uh, in the fireplace. And... Sirius is just like, so is it true? Like, so I gotta ask, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? And Harry's like, no. And Sirius basically tells him, like, yeah, like, I don't know what's happening, but with the Death Eaters of the Quidditch World Cup and your name coming out of the Goblet of Fire, none of this is coincidence. So basically he's like, yeah, you know, there's something else going on here. So then we go on and... This whole thing... Meanwhile, during this whole thing, Ron is kind of being a little bitch about everything. Like, he's just... He's overly agitated at Harry. Because he's like, Well, when were you going to tell me you put your name in the goblet? And Harry's like, I I didn't. And uh, I guess Ron just has a hard time believing him. So, Ron's just all moody at Harry for no reason. Um, There's a... Then there's a scene where Harry and Ron are... Or, nah, Harry and Ron... Harry and Neville are by a lake just kind of doing some homework and Ron, Hermione, and Ginny walk up to him and Ron has Hermione tell Harry that Hagrid is looking for him and there's a weird back and forth. So, you know, that Hermione tells Harry again that Hagrid's looking for him, that Ron said that Hagrid's looking for him and then Harry's like, well, you could tell Ron and then Hermione kind of snaps on Harry and is like, I'm not an owl! So, yeah, there's it's very tense between Harry and Ron at this point. So then he goes, there's the scene with him and Hagrid going through the dark forest, even though it's the forbidden forest in the movies, but whatever. So he has Harry has his invisibility cloaked with him. Invisibility cloaked with him. And Hagrid, he finds out that Hagrid not only like is leading him 
to leading him to know what the first task is, but also Hagrid has a thing for Madame Maxine from Bobatons. Like, he actually combed his hair, he has a flower on his thing. Like, it's just, it's kind of adorable, actually. So, he, um, yeah. So they go up to the thing and they see a bunch of dragons, and then as Madame Maxine kind of walks off, not knowing that Harry's there, Harry goes up to Hagrid and they're like, are you kidding me? Dragons? That's the first task of this Tribewizard Tournament? And Hagrid kind of makes the offhand comment that the Horntail is probably the nastiest out of all of them there. And so, you know, lo and behold, try to guess which dragon Harry gets in the the first task. So, obviously, the first task... I should explain what the first task is. So, the first task is you're in this, like, arena with a dragon... And it's guarding a golden egg. And the goal of the first task is to get the golden egg. And, you know, the rest of them go through it. And it comes to Harry's turn. And he, uh... I will mention, I'll mention book differences as we go this time. I won't save it till the end. Because I can explain it while we go. Now, in the book, in the first task... Uh, the dragons are never meant to be hurt. The dragons are never meant to leave the arena, and they never do. But in the movie, there's this whole chase scene where the dragon escapes the arena and chases Harry throughout all of Hogwarts. So it finally falls. Harry gets the egg, and they're celebrating. Everybody's celebrating with Harry in the common room. Okay, sorry everyone. Quick edit there. Uh, I got a call in the middle of doing this podcast, which I guess is one of the downsides of recording it from your phone. <laughs> but, yeah, I just wanted to explain that quick with it. So, anyway, where were we? So, oh yeah, they're in the common room, they're celebrating Harry getting the egg, and Seamus is like, you know, do you want me to open the egg? And Or, Seamus is like, Harry, open the egg, and Harry's like, who wants me to open it? So he opens it, and it's just this high-pitched shriek, and Ron comes down from the stairs, and he's like, the bloody hell was that? And then they have a little, like, back and forth where they kind of, they kind of make up with one another in, like, their own weird way. And so then, what I have next on my notes, the next thing I have in my notes is, uh, there's the, the Yule Ball. Well, no, because there's a scene where they're eating dinner or whatever, and there's uh ron gets a package and it's just like this dress robe type thing and he's like oh jenny these might be for you and jenny's like i'm not gonna wear that it's it's ghastly and hermione's like ron they're not for jenny they're for you uh hermione's like the dress robes and ron's like dress robes for what and then the it's it gets to the next scene where uh, McGonagall is explaining is explaining to everybody about the Yule Ball, which is a dance. <laughs> and then there's a part where he, or, well, McGonagall is teaching them all to dance, and she demonstrates by calling Ron up to dance with her, and everybody's laughing at her, and friend George are laughing at him, and Harry's just like, you're not going to let him live this down, are you? And Fred and George are like, never. And so, there's a whole Yule Ball thing, and we get into the awkward teen por- portion of this movie where all the boys are like, oh, I don't know how to ask girls out. <laughs> so they try all they can and uh, there's the there's a scene where they're all sitting and Harry and Ron are trying to figure out who to ask and Ron's just kind of 
awkwardly at some point asks Hermione, tries to ask Hermione to the dance, but is still kind of a dick throughout the whole thing. And this whole time, you know, they're, they're trying to whisper because they're supposed to be in study hall and Snape is kind of monitoring the study hall. And anytime they get too loud, a snake catches them, he just smacks them in the back of the head. And so uh, Hermione's just like, oh, uh, or Ron's just like, Hermione, I don't think you would go anyway. And Hermione's just like, if it's any of your concern, I was already asked to the dance. And then she gets up, hands Snape her homework or whatever. And then as she passes by Ron, she's like, and I said yes. So she storms out, and they're like, alright, whatever. And so, the, uh, Harry and Ron are talking, they're like, alright, let's, you know, agree to try to find a date before this thing starts. And Snape catches them talking and shoves their face <laughs> into the book. So then there's the whole thing with, uh, them trying to ask people. Harry actually goes up to this owl tower, where he got the note from Sirius earlier. Runs into Cho Chang, and... Cho, he actually asked Cho if she wants to go to dance, and Cho's just like, I'm sorry, Harry, I was already asked, and Harry's like, oh, alright. Uh, what else did I say? Drama. What else? What other drama is there? Oh, yeah, the whole, the rest of the Yule Ball. So, they get in there, and uh, Hermione actually comes out, she's, she looks really good, like, she looks gorgeous, like, Emma Watson looks really good in the scene. Uh, Harry and Ron ended up asking these two uh, Indian twins out. uh, uh, I think their last names are Patel. I never remember their first names. But the Patel twins, they go out with... They go to this Yule Ball with Harry and Ron. And they find out that Hermione actually was asked to the ball by Victor Crumb. And so all the champions, all the tribes of champions are the first to dance at this Yule Ball. And then everybody dance, and then there's a there's a scene I love. It's just it's random, but it's a scene I love where the show like the different music that plays, and there's just like this band. I don't know what the band is called, but I think, but I love the song that they play. I think the chorus is "Can you dance like a hippogriff?" My 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 my. It's funny. So. Then Harry and Ron and the Patels are just sitting, kind of being awkward or whatever. And somebody asks Harry's Patel to dance. And she's just like, yes, please, because she's ready to get away from Harry. And then Harry and Ron see Hermione walk by with Victor. And Victor, I guess, went to go get drinks. And Hermione's just like, oh, this is great. Like, I'm glad I came. And like, oh, he's getting drinks. You want to join us? And Ron's just like, no, we don't want to join you. And basically, they have a whole argument between each other and Hermione kind of just storms off or whatever so then a little later we see Ron and Hermione argue more they're having a I guess a lover spat (laughs) if you can call it that where basically Hermione's just like you know what if you're gonna ask somebody to dance just get up the courage and do it right away instead of waiting till the last minute as a last resort and basically she sends Harry and Ron off to bed, which I guess she wears the pants in the family, and she ends up sitting on the stairs and crying. So, there's a, oh, I forget if the scene is before or after this, but there's a whole scene where everybody's, Harry's walking through the halls, and this is before him and Ron make up, but there's a whole part where 
Everybody's wearing these buttons that say Potter Stains, and he meets up with Cedric. And this is this is before the first task. He tells Cedric what the first task is. Has a little thing with Ron, and then has a little interaction with Draco, where Draco tries to curse Harry behind his back, and Moody, you know, steps in, turning Draco into a ferret and kind of just messing with him. And McGonagall stops Moody and is like, "We never use transfiguration as a punishment." So. I forgot to mention that, but let's jump back forward. So, Harry and Hermione are having a chat, and they're saying about, like, they're talking about, like, the next task, whatever, or the late task. And then Cedric actually comes up and says something to Harry, like, thanking him for warning him about the dragons. And he starts talking about the egg, and he's like, you know, it'd be a good idea to take a bath. Kind of hinting him that, like, oh, we should put the egg underwater. So he ends up going to this bathroom to take a bath, and while Harry's trying to figure out this egg, he's joined by Moni Myrtle, who mentions that she was like, I was cycling a clock train the other day, and I saw a bit of polyjuice potion. Not getting into trouble again, are we, Harry? Which kind of lets you in on a little secret. That's, you know, something to keep in mind for later. So, Harry does, you know, does his thing. He takes the egg and puts it underwater, which, instead of the screeching from before, he hears a, a woman's voice singing. Uh, the woman's voice is, I think it's singing like, Come hear us where our voices sound. We cannot sing above the ground. Like, one hour you have to look. To, to recover what we took. Basically clueing them in. And like, hey, you know, come see where we are. You know, it's the lake. Uh, one hour you have to look, which is how long the next task is going to last. And recover what you took, which means something of his, he's going to have to recover from the lake. And so he's in the library next with Ron and Hermione trying to figure this out. And Moody steps in. Uh, excuses Ron and Hermione and tells Neville to help Harry put this books back and Neville notices Harry's plant books and he's like, oh, well, you know, if you really want to learn about herbology, there's this book and Harry's like, I really don't care unless there's a Tibetan turnip that can make me breathe underwater for an hour. And then Neville's like, well, I don't know about a turnip. You can always use dillyweed. Which, that's the next book difference. So, I guess in the book, which, I should mention this before, uh, Dobby, he wasn't, he was supposed to, he was in the book, but he wasn't in the movie at all. Uh, in the book, Dobby is the one that tells Harry about the Gillyweed instead of Neville. So basically what the Gillyweed is, it's when you consume it, it grow, uh, you grow like gills and fins, and basically you can swim in underwater like a fish for you know, X amount of time. And so, the, the you know, the late test starts, starts, and Harry's swimming through the thing, and he finds out that the thing that was taken from him was Ron and Hermione. And along with them, there's uh, Fleur de la Tour's sister, and there's, uh, who else? There's somebody, uh, Cho, Cho Chang. So, they all go, uh, there, Harry comes across Ron, he frees Ron, and he sees Cedric free Cho, and Cedric kind of taps his wand on his watch, 
to let Harry know that, hey, you know, you're running out of time. So then Harry goes to try to free Hermione, but these mer people that are in the lake, you know, swim up to him, threaten him with a trident. Harry's like, but she's my friend too. And the mermaids are like, only one. Which they then get scared off by Victor Crumb, you know, Mr. Sharkhead coming in, swooping in to save Hermione. So with them gone, while Harry has Ron, he, Harry casts a spell to save uh, Fleur de la Cour's sister. So as he's trying to save them, all of a sudden all these, uh, what are they called, Grindelows? I, th- I don't know if the Grindelows are the people or the little squid things, but these little squid things try to pull Harry down. So he ends up uh, sending Ron and Fleur's sister up to the surface while he fights off these things. And as he's getting near to the bottom, he casts a Cindio to shoot out of the lake and save himself. And because of because Floor never actually completed the task, uh, she didn't place, and Cedric ended up winning this task with Harry winning second place instead of third, because he off he saved not only Ron but Floor's sister, so pushing obviously Vintacrum into third place. There, uh, and so after that, you know, they're walking away from the task, and Barty Crouch actually starts talking to Harry and congratulates him on winning the uh, winning the tournament. And Moody steps in. He's like, not trying to, you know, get, not trying to gather people into the ministry, are we? And Moody's like, the last boy that went into the ministry never came out. And he does a little tongue thing and Barty Crouch kind of gives him a look like, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, he's suspicious now, too. And so, then there's another scene in the in the Forbidden Forest, I believe. It's Hagrid, Ron, Hermione, and Harry, and they're all, like, walking. Ron, Hermione, and Harry, or Ron, Hermione, and Hagrid are walking out to kind of celebrate to themselves, like, yay, you know, Harry did it. Where Harry sees something weird around a tree. He comes across uh, Barty Crouch being stupid, or has been petrified, basically. And so the next scene is going into uh, Dumbledore's office, where I guess they're discussing the whole thing of finding Barty Crouch. And it's it's Dumbledore, Cornelius Fudge, and Moody. And as they're talking, Moody's just like, "I hate to interrupt, but we are no this conversation is no longer private." And Moody opens the door without even looking at it, and there's Harry because I guess with the eye he can see everything. So, as they walk out, Dumbledore's like, oh, you know, take part in this licorice. I'll warn you, it's a bit sharp. So, they leave Harry there while, while Dumbledore excuses them to for a second. So that as Harry's, you know, he gets, he picks up this licorice to try it. He gets bitten by one. And as he's chasing around, he steps on this plate, which reveals the, ah, uh, uh, God, what is it? I'm going to sound stupid if I don't know what it is. It's it starts with a M, I believe. Is it pet penty? What is it called? God damn it, Pentium. I'm gonna say memory pool. Pensive, pensive. That's what it's called. Pensive. So Harry stumbled across his pensives, and as he looks into it, all of a sudden he stumbles into this memory, or they're at the Ministry of Magic. He sits next to Dumbledore, and uh, Barty Crouch is, you know, the head of everything, and 
they uh, bring up Igor, who is, you know, the leader of the Dermstrains. And they're like, I understand you have more names for Death Eaters or whatever. You know, if you're able to provide us with more names and, you know, probable evidence that we can try to free you from Azkaban. And so, Edor lists off a bunch of names. He also, he mentions Snape, but Dumbledore is like, yes, Snape was a Death Eater, but he was turned into a spy for Voldemort, or to turn into a spy to spy on Voldemort as we, you know, because he, he works for, basically, yes, you know, he's a Death Eater for Voldemort, but he's, he works for us. And the last name Edor mentions that really gets everybody up in arms is Barty Crouch's son, Barty Crouch Jr., to which Barty Crouch Jr. then step, er, gets up and tries to escape. So they capture him, and that's when he finds out, that's when Harry finds out about Barty Crouch Jr. And so when he comes out of the pensieve, you know, he's, he finds out that Dumbledore's been pretty much standing there the whole time, and he ends up telling Dumbledore about the dream he had about, you know, going into that house and seeing, you know, tiny Voldemort in the crib surrounded by Wormtail and Barty Crouch Jr. And, you know, did I mention Wormtail? Yeah, I mentioned Wormtail, which I guess in the last movie it was Peter Pettigrew, but now his official name is Wormtail. So, yeah, he mentions that, and then as he's, as Harry's leaving Dumbledore's office, he hears Edward's voice, and it opens to a potion closet where Edward is showing uh, Snape his, the Death Eater bark on his arm. So that Harry kind of catches him, Edward storms off, and Snape stops him, congratulates him on the task, and then brings him into the the uh, potion closet and lists off a bunch of stuff that he uh, then accuses Harry of stealing. And he's like, if I find out your friends, he's like, you know, I'll find out your friends are making apologies potion if it's the last thing I do. So then, what do we get to? We got the late test. And now, we get to the penultimate of the movie, the maze test. Now, the whole maze thing is that there is a, the Triwizard Cup itself is hidden in the maze. Their trophy is hidden in the maze. It was hidden by Moody, so he knows the, the exact location. And because Cedric and Harry came in, or tied for first in the, they tie for first in the late test, they get to go into the maze first. Now, Dumbledore warns everybody that, you know, the maze is dangerous, and I just, the only way they can really escape it is if they send up a red flare with their wand, which somebody from the outside will come collect them and bring them back out. So, they go through the maze, Harry goes through the maze, he finds Floor, just kind of laying there motionless, so he sends up a red spark for her to get her out of the maze. And as Harry's going through this maze, all of a sudden he uh, comes across uh, Victor Crumb, and Cedric kind of saves him at the last minute, and he finds out Victor Crumb was actually bewitched by the maze, but ends up not killing him. He just kind of goes off and does his own thing. And then there's a scene where he's, see, he sees a cup, and he sees Cedric going for it, but then Cedric gets caught up by vines, and Harry stops, and he decides whether he wants to go for the cup or save Cedric in. Harry being the good guy that he is, he goes for the cup. Or he, goes, he saves Cedric. So then him and Cedric have a little back and forth, and Cedric is like, some maze, huh? Or some dame, huh? And then they see the... They look back and see the maze is starting to close, so they're like, all right, we need to get to the cup. So as soon as they get to the cup, they have a little... A tiny back and forth of like, no, you take it, no, you take it. And they're like, all right, together. So they both go for the cup, and they end up in a cemetery. 
And Harry's just like, wait, I've been here. We we need to leave now. And then who comes out but Wormtail with little tiny Voldemort. And ends up, you know, Cedric's just like, who are you? What do you want? And you hear tiny Voldemort be like, kill the spy. And Wormtail casts Havada Kedavra on Cedric and kills Cedric, which... I always, I always tell the joke when I see the sin. I'm like, no, Cedric, don't go into the twilight. <laughs> because he, he, he was, he's, uh, so he kills Cedric and then uh, gets Harry caught in this like Grim Reaper uh, hedge, your tombstone thing. So he's restrains Harry while he does this thing. He. Dumps Voldemort in this a bit little tiny Voldemort in this cauldron, adds a bunch of stuff. Or I think he adds a wand. He adds he chops off his hand. It's like hand of the servant, and then he goes over to Harry with a knife and he's like blood of the enemy forcefully taken and he just carves the thing into Harry's arm, adds it to the pot and this pot just bursts into flames and they see this like goopy, he's this goopy skeleton thing and then you see a figure. Bald head and black robe, and this lets you know. Guess who's back? Back again. Voldy's back. Dun, dun. Tell your friends. Dun, dun. Yes, because of everything Wormtail added to this pot, Voldemort is now back. Like, he's now fully back. He's no longer, he's not part of the back of somebody's head. He's not, you know, his younger self. He's full-blown, like, in the flesh, Voldemort is back. And the first thing Voldemort does is goes up to Wormtail, highlights the Death Eater mark on his on his forearm, and he goes into... He summons all the rest of the Death Eaters, and we find out the names of some of the Death Eaters, uh, Crab, Doyle, and Lucius Malfoy. And he's basically... Voldemort says how disappointed he is in the launch of the Death Eaters to... That they haven't really done anything for him. And Wormtail is like, oh, I've been loyal. And he's like, yeah, you're loyal out of fear. But loyal nonetheless. And restores the hand that Wormtail sacrificed for him. And then Voldemort goes over to Cedric. And he's like, oh, you're such a, such a handsome boy. And Harry's like, don't touch him. And then Harry, you know, that lets Voldemort know that Harry's there. And Voldemort's like, oh, Harry, I almost forgot about you. And he goes into the thing. He tells everyone, basically he tells Harry and everyone who's there the story of how he couldn't have killed Harry he couldn't kill Harry all those years ago because of Lily because of the protection spell and Voldemort's like well now that I'm in the flesh now I can actually touch you now and tortures Harry a little bit and frees him from the restraints and tells him to pick up his wand because he's like alright you know that's what I respect about Voldemort like he finally comes back you know in the flesh you know in his full form and instead of just killing Harry right away, he's like, let's duel it out. Like, let's, you know, let's go, let's make a proper duel out of this. So he tries, he tortures Harry for a little bit with the Cruciatus curse. And then him and Harry have a proper duel where Voldemort tries to cast Havada Kedavra. And Harry casts Expelliarmus. And they have this, like, lightning thing back and forth, red and green. And as they're trying to one-up each other, all of a sudden this dome, this dome forms. 
and a bunch of spirits come out of like Cedric, uh, the caretaker that died in the very beginning of the movie. And then the last two that appear next to Harry on each side are James and Lily, Harry's parents. And James explains that they can distract him for a little bit, but he only has a few seconds to get to the, the poor key. And Lily tells Harry to uh, just, just let go. Like, it's alright, let go. So Harry breaks the chain. They all rush Voldemort so he can't see. Grabs Cedric, grabs the trophy, and teleports out. And then, obviously, Voldemort is pissed about this because he wanted to kill Harry. And he's like, yeah! <laughs> so then they teleport back and everybody's cheering for Harry. And Harry's obviously upset. And that's when everybody starts to figure out what's going on. Because Harry's all upset that, you know, Voldemort's back, you know, Cedric is dead. And everybody's very upset, and including Cedric's father, which I know is supposed to be a very sad moment, and I know it's very, he's very distraught, but just, you know, you hear Cedric's father be like, That's my son! That's my boy! <laughs> which... I use all the time when, like, if I'm proud of somebody, I'd be like, That's my boy! <laughs> so, obviously, Harry's very upset, and Mad-Eye kind of takes Harry back to his office to ask him some questions about, you know, what happened. And uh, Moody's, like, he's, obviously, he's not himself. He starts looking everywhere for, obviously, you know, what he's been drinking this whole movie. And all of a sudden... Moody is like, were there others with you in the graveyard? And Harry's like, hold on. I never told you about a graveyard. And so his cover, basically Meta's cover is blown. Like he says something about uh, being the one to finally silence Harry Potter. And then Dumbledore busts in, restrains Moody. And they find out because of the truth serum that Snape force feeds Moody that he's not actually Moody. And Dumbledore's like, where's the real Alistair Moody? He points to the big chest, who which he op- this big chest in this room, which he opens and it opens the several chests they look at, and it's just this big, narrow like room, and the real Mad Eye Moody is just sitting there at the bottom. And so we find out that the Mad Eye Moody that we've been seeing this whole movie is not Mad Eye at all; is actually Barty Crouch Jr. after taking some Polyjuice potion. And so, you know, he tells them Voldemort's back, and there's the whole, there's that whole thing where they take Harry out, and well, Dumbledore's like, tell, write to Azkaban, tell them they're missing a prisoner, and Barty Crouch Jr. is like, I'll be welcome back like a hero, and Dumbledore's like, maybe. Frankly, lately I've ha- I haven't had time for heroes. So then. There's the whole scene in the Great Hall where Dumbledore is addressing all the students and he's like, we gotta honor Cedric and I'll, I'll tell you why he died because, exactly what, how he died because not doing so would be an insult to his memory. Basically, he tells all of Hogwarts that Cedric was killed by Voldemort and he's like, the ministry doesn't want me to tell you this, but it would be an insult to Cedric if I didn't tell you. And then there's a, <clears throat> a scene where Harry's in his dorm, or one of the last scenes is Harry's in his dorm and he has a talk with Dumbledore, and one of the things Dumbledore says is, dark and difficult times lie ahead, which pretty much sets the tone for the rest of the movie. So then we get the ending, everyone is saying goodbye, and Hermione makes an offhand comment that, like, like things are going to change, aren't they? And Harry's just like, yes, yes they are. Which, it's supposed to be kind of a happy ending. It's not, not really a happy ending, it's more of a bittersweet ending, where they're like, yeah, you know, 
Obviously, it's there's a happy tone to it, but you know shit's about to really go down now. And that's that's all of Goblet of Fire wrapped up, basically, in a mediocre fashion. <laughs> uh, what else? Was there any other things I should mention? Oh yeah, one other book difference I should mention that I didn't find, you know, it's not super important, but... I guess it was important enough for the leakycauldron.org to include. Uh, in the book, both of the stools, both uh, Bobatons and Dermstrain, were actually co-ed instead of Bobatons being all girls and Dermstrain being all boys. And so, yeah, I, I think overall, what's my opinion on Double Fire? I absolutely love it. Like, there is a reason this is my second favorite movie. Like, it's just... The tone of it is really good. Just the direction it went. Just the characters. Just, you know, overall acting is just brilliant. I love it. And also, I'm a little biased because this in this one, we finally get to see Voldemort, you know, in the flesh. So, yeah. This is... Goblet of Fire is, as of right now, my second favorite Harry Potter movie. And, so, yeah. It's... That's all I have to say on Double of Fire. Do you have any opinions on Double of Fire or any of the rest of the Harry Potter movies? Feel free to send me a voice message. A voice message. English, Cameron. English. So, yeah. If you want to send me a voice message, tell me what you think of Double of Fire or any other Harry Potter movies. Or if you just want to say hi, there should be a link in the description of this podcast. Otherwise... You can tell me on other social medias. I have Instagram, SuperTam64, uh, Twitter, SuperTam64, I have TikTok, SuperTam64. Uh, if you want to hit me up on the Facebook page for it, it's whatever, you know, threes instead of E's, whatever, a SuperTam64 po- podcast. I mean, if you're into, you know, <laughs> like the stuff on Facebook, uh, if you feel like seeing anything I have on YouTube, it's not related to this podcast, but uh, YouTube, SuperTam64. And, yeah. So, you know, thanks for tuning in to this episode of whatever. Obviously, new episodes every Saturday. Uh, my new newscast episodes are coming out every Wednesday now. And I got nothing else to say. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate and love each and every one of you. And until next time, stay classy, you beautiful bitches. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a great time.